Guys, thank you for singing songs that have such powerful messages. It's just, man, I, I will build my life upon your word. That is, I guarantee you, the band's prayer for you guys. That is my prayer for you guys. That is this camp's prayer for you guys. It is the reason this entire facility here exists, is to just try to get you to see the reality that you need to build your life on God's word. It, uh, it hurts us, doesn't it? When we watch kids grow up in this environment, get all this truth, and go out and say, I think I'm going to try my own thing. I mean, I mean it, it, it literally breaks our hearts when it's like, we, we know the truth, and we just want you to have it. Two people watch a blind man walking straight for a cliff. One person says, have a nice day. Second person says, stop. There's a cliff up here. Change your directions. Change your way. You're going to die if you keep going that way. Which one's the better friend? It's not complicated, is it? Hey, if you have people in your life that are watching you do things that are not healthy, not good, not wise decisions, not honoring God, and they say, ha ha, have a good day. They're not your friend. That's not love. Love says, stop. There's a cliff ahead. You're going to die. I, I'm constantly, I'm constantly amazed at how we don't at a younger and younger age figure out God's word gave us how to live life. It's God's instruction manual on how to live life because he loves us. How many of you have a Bible? You got a Bible? Hold up your Bible. Let me just see your Bible. Let me just see it. Pretty. My daughter had the exact same one. Oh, matching Bibles. Isn't that cute? Wow. Okay. I love it. it was it hard for you to get access to that Bible? How many of you, somebody actually gave you the Bible? You didn't even have to buy it. Didn't spend a dime on it. Wow. 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 Hey, do you realize what people have gone through in order to get the words that you won't even open and look at? If you guys ever did a study, on how the Bible was preserved by God through the centuries. You would hear story after story of people being burned at the stake, of people having their flesh filleted from their skin while they were alive, because they dared to get those words and copy them and give them to other people. You would hear unbelievable atrocities 
as Satan tried to destroy the word of God, God said, no, my word will stand forever. And that's why you guys get a copy of it. But it's become so common that we don't appreciate it anymore, do we? We don't hold it as special. We don't think it has a lot of value. Because your life is just fine without it, or so you think. You're doing fine without the Word of God. You don't really need it, do you? You can make a living. You can go through life. But I'm just telling you, God's Word is true whether you believe it's true or not. And God's Word holds the secret to life whether you want to study it or not. And it is a treasure that you should learn to study. People say, well, I just don't understand the Bible. (laughs) How many of you have ever said that? I just don't understand the Bible. Said that? Come on, be honest. Don't lie to me. We're here in church, okay? Yeah. I don't get it. Like, okay, that's why the weird names? Why do I got to read all these weird names? You know, they're actually there for a reason. I don't don't expect you to have to learn everything all at once, but man, there's a lot of good stuff in there. You you can study God's Word forever. It's like endless how much truth is in God's Word. My biggest concern is that you're not going to do what we just say. You're not going to build your life on the Word. It's not going to really apply to you because you're going to try to do your own thing. And you're going to fall for the oldest trick in the book. You're going to go after your own words, your own thoughts, rather than God's Word and God's thoughts. And I'm just telling you, there's counselors here, there's staff here, the band, myself, we could all tell you, tragedy after tragedy, after tragedy, after tragedy, after tragedy of kids that said, I'm going to do it my way. I'll take my own thoughts. And all we're trying to do is say, hey, hey, there's a cliff. You're going to die. That's not healthy. This isn't the way God designed. You know, God designed your body. You know, God designed relationships. You know, God designed marriage. He invented it. The inventor should understand it. See, even the birds agree. The inventor should understand it pretty well, right? And the inventor gave us an instruction manual on how to do it right. It's, it's, it's like, okay, I'm just going to tell you how I did all this, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you how you should live your life. That way you can get the most pleasure out of life. Satan comes along and says, hey, Let me tell you how to get pleasure out of life. And he makes sin, which destroys the body. It destroys your life. It destroys your your mind. It gives you anxiety. It doesn't bring about freedom. It brings about bondage. And he makes it look so good, doesn't he? The Bible says sin is fun for a season, but sin brings something with it. What does it bring with it? Death. Brings death to relationships. Death to bodies. How many of you know people who have destroyed their physical body because of the things that they have done with their body? And yet we somehow think, well, maybe it won't happen to us. And we go try some of the same stuff. And it's like, ah, come on. Let me ask you this. How many of you know people that have got into a serious dating relationship already. And I know you're already, you're only in middle school. I get that. 
But you're like, oh, I know people that got a serious day relationship. How many of you know people that got into a serious relationship a relationship and it's like they probably did stuff with each other they shouldn't have done? It's like, that's yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, does that help them or does that hurt them? And yet, guess what? You guys are like, oh, I might get in one of those relationships. It's like, no, come on, don't do that. God didn't design it that way. God designed relationships to be a beautiful reflection of his love for us. And he wants the very, very best for you. Wants the best for you. Hey, girls, how many of you know of a girl who gets her value out of a guy liking her? Is that really where her value comes from? So why do we fall for that? Why do we fall for that? Well, why do we keep getting the guys to like us and keep going after another relationship when our real value doesn't come from that? It comes from God. Hey, can I, can I just speak a truth into every single one of you ladies right now? Can I just tell you ladies something? Here it is. You are beautiful. You're beautiful. No. Hey, ladies. Hey, ladies. Seriously. You're, you're made in the image of God. And he formed you in the womb. And he knows exactly who you are. And your value doesn't come from some punk saying, yo, babe, what's up? I don't know. <laughs> ladies, ladies, what you desire more than anything is a man that will love God and respect you. Don't settle for anything less. Unfortunately, ladies, you guys are the ones who set the tone. Guys want to take a nose dive a lot of the time. Don't let them do it. Say, no. Uh-uh. You show me that you can lead. You show me that you can be an example. You show me that you can follow after Christ. I want to follow somebody who's following Christ. Ladies, you're beautiful. You're made in the image of God. Don't sell yourself short. No, I'm serious. You're worthy. You're worthy of a young man loving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength and saying, I'm going to love a wife one day just as much as I love God and as much as God loves me. You're worthy of that. Don't sell yourself short. If you are selling yourself short or you have sold yourself short, hey, stop. Say today, I'm going to be, this is, I'm, I'm starting over right now. I'm not going to let somebody take advantage of me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to let Satan trick me into thinking that that's what love is. The world says that, but they don't have a clue what real love is. Love is sacrifice. Hey men, 
Can I speak into your life seriously real quick? No, I'm not going to tell you you're ugly. No, it's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Guys, you're created by God to be leaders. You're created by God to have a backbone and stand up and do what's right. I'm serious. And I want to challenge you to do that. Don't give in. Don't give in to the temptations. Don't be less of a man than what God has literally called you to be. You're made in the image of God. And he's designed you for a purpose. Hey, do we need strong leaders in today's culture? Ladies, are you looking for strong leaders in today's culture? Ladies, do you want a guy? I'm not done. Do you want a guy that knows how to make you feel special because he respects you rather than uses you? Yeah. Hey, guys, the best way, the best way, the best thing you can do is learn right now. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. The best thing you guys can do right now, and this is going to hit home, learn how to love your mom. I'm dead serious. Some of you, the way you talk to your mother, you would be ashamed if I videotaped it and put it up here. And you say things to your mom and you talk in tones and you say things that you would never want somebody to see publicly. Ladies, that's how he's going to treat you one day. Guys, I'm serious. Learn how to love and respect your own mother. Learn how to respect the ladies that God has put in your life. Let God's word be your foundation. <laughs> I got to get back to this global flood talk. Thanks for listening tonight. I appreciate it. God wants you guys to have an amazing marriage one day. He wants you to raise an amazing family. And he wants you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've watched, we've watched a generation down the hill do it wrong, haven't we? How many of you have been hurt because of people that haven't done it right? Yeah. Here's the tragedy. Here's the tragedy. Many of you, because that's been your environment or that's been your model, many of you will never break the cycle and learn how to do it right. And I'm just telling you, you need to build your house on the Word of God. You Statistically, you, you just you got to find a different way. Man's ways don't work. God's ways do. And you need to build your life on the Word of God. Hey, was there really a global flood? I mean, the Bible says there was. Genesis chapter 6 and 7 and 8 talk about this, this global flood. Was there really a global flood? Did this, this really happen? And then, and then beyond that, I mean, does, does it even matter? I mean, who cares if there was a global flood or not, right? I mean, doesn't really matter, does it? I, I think it does. I think the integrity of God's word is at stake. 
when the Bible clearly says God judged the world with a flood. See, perspective matters, doesn't it? Here's as dad sees, here's as the kid sees, and here's how mama sees. <laughs> how many of you guys got thrown up in the air by, by uh, somebody as a kid? Wasn't that awesome? Didn't you feel like, dude, I almost touched the top of the parachute, man. I was like way up there. You hated it? You serious? You were scared. Oh, man. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it, man. I'd throw my kids up as high as I could get them. I'm like, whoo, and then catch. Dropped them once. But anyway, uh, no, that's, that's, perspective matters, man. And, and you get to these different stages of life, and you see things differently than you did. You're going to be parents that they're like, oh, throw your kid up in the air. Your kid's going to be scared like you are. You're like, I promise it's not high. Shut up and go in the air, kid. You're like, stop holding me. Ugh. And you're going to be like, I promise it's not that bad, man. It's not that bad. Second Peter chapter 3 gives us a warning. It says, hey, heads up, everybody. Listen up. Listen up. I need you to know something. In the last days, scoffers are going to come. Now, what is a scoffer? A scoffer. That's from the dictionary, isn't it? Scoffer means scoffer. Is that what that means? What is, it? What is a scoffer? One who scoffs. Okay, all right, thank you. We're getting a little more clarity there, okay. What's a scoffer? Somebody who lets you down, not somebody who lets you down. Nope, nope. A heckler. Okay, what's a heckler? They're trying to make you feel bad. They're making fun of you, right? They make fun of people. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived. By the way, man, you want wisdom. If you just want wisdom for your life, just read one of the chapters in Proverbs a day. There's 31 chapters. Read one chapter a day. You'll get so much wisdom out of, out of, out of Solomon, the smartest man that ever lived in the history of the world. Right there. Well, okay, obviously. I meant, okay, yes, Jesus. Uh, second smartest man that ever lived in the history of the world, Solomon. Uh, and, and you can get his, he talks about four kinds of people in Proverbs. He says there's the, there's the, the wise person. That's the person who knows what's right, knows what's wrong, does what's right. Then you've got the naive person. They're the person who just doesn't know any better. They're just kind of oblivious, have no clue. It talks about the naive person. You guys, in many cases right now, many of us are still sitting in the seat of the naive. You just don't know any better. I mean, you don't know what it feels like to try to cough up a lung, scrape the tar off, and swallow your lung back inside so that your lungs will actually absorb the oxygen that you're breathing. I watched my grandfather die from emphysema over a four-year period. Emphysema is where your lungs get so hard that they won't accept the oxygen and take it to the bloodstream. It got to the point where his skin, if you just pinched it, his skin would just peel off. And it's like, ah. Oh. And I see kids vaping, and I see kids smoking, and they're like, oh, it's cool. And I'm like, "You're please trust me, you're naive. You just don't know any better. This isn't good long-term. It's not healthy long-term. Just stop. You, got, you, know what the, you know what Solomon, the, the second thing, the wisest man in the world said? He said the cure, if you're naive, which most of us are naive, if you're naive, the cure is to trust somebody that knows better. And God knows better. He said, take care of your body like the temple of God. Treat your body correctly. Treat it good. You know, the evolution worldview is the worldview that says you're just a bunch of chemicals that got together by chance over billions of years. Therefore, if you want to make yourself feel a certain way, give yourself chemicals, drugs. 
that's where this worldview leads to. You're just chemicals. Therefore, if you if you're you know got this feeling and you want to feel different, give yourself these drugs. It makes you feel a certain way. That's where it comes from. Seriously. I don't, I don't know if you realize this. They've been doing a study. How many mass shootings have occurred in America? How many school shootings have occurred in America? Are you ready for this? You ready for this? New studies. If you plot out the number of mass shootings and the amount of antidepressant drugs in America, they go perfectly together. Isn't that interesting? Just interesting, isn't it? So the naive person, Solomon, would say, hey, trust somebody who knows better. Then there's the fool. Boy, he talks a lot about the fool. Solomon says, hey, the fool knows what's right, knows what's wrong, and does what's wrong. wrong and keeps doing it. Yo, idiot, stop, please, cut it out. It describes the fool. It says the fool, it gives a very, very vivid description. Some of you have probably seen this before. A fool is kind of like a dog that returns to his own. Does anybody know what it is? Vomit. That's what a fool, you know how you keep screwing up and you keep doing the same dumb thing over and over and over and you keep sinning in the same way over and over and over? Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said, you're kind of like a dog that just keeps going back to its own vomit. I mean, have you ever witnessed that? Has anybody ever seen a dog? And this puddle comes out on the ground and you're like, oh, gross. And then the dog goes, And then you see the tongue start to come out, and it's, it's like, no, get away, get stop it, cut it out. That's what Solomon would say to you, hey, say, cut it out, stop it, quit it. Man, for crying out loud. Uh, then you got the scoffer. The scoffer, according to Solomon, knows what's right, knows what's wrong, does what's wrong, and makes fun of those who do what's do what's right. It says scoffers are going to come in the last days and they're going to walk after their own lust. The reason they scoff at the Bible is never, listen, listen, listen. You might want to write this down. The reason they scoff at the Bible is never because of science. You can mark my words on that. You can take it to the bank. They never scoff because of science. They always scoff because of sin. Lust their own selfish desires. The reason people scoff at the Bible is never because of science. It's because of sin. I said that twice because boys have to hear things twice. Boys have to hear things twice. The reason people scoff at the Bible is never because of science. It's always because of sin every time. And then it says this. It says these scoffers are going to say something. They're going to say, hey, where's the promise of his coming? I thought he said he was coming back. I don't see anything. It doesn't seem like he's coming back to me. Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. That phrase right there, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation, that's where we get this idea of uniformitarianism. It's taught today. You're going to learn it in schools. You'll have to memorize the word uniformitarianism in your textbook. Uniformitarianism. It means the way things are happening now is the way they've always been happening. And they're teaching that in schools. The Bible says that's going to happen in the last days. Then it says, for this they willingly are ignorant of. 
Now, willingly ignorant, if you look that up in the original Greek language, that means dumb on purpose. Willingly ignorant. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Hey, did you do that? Do what? <laughs> willingly ignorant. It says they're willingly ignorant that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth was standing out of the water and in the water. What's that talking about? It's talking about the creation of the world. They're willingly ignorant of how God created the world. That's not all. They're willingly ignorant that whereby the world then was being overflowed with water perished. What is that talking about? Yeah, the flood. They're willingly ignorant of how God flooded the world and judged the world. They're also willingly ignorant of the coming judgment of God. So we see scoffers are ignorant of three things. The creation, because if there really is a creation, that means there's a, a God, a creator. And they're willingly ignorant of the flood because if there really was a worldwide flood, God has the right to judge his creation. And he does. It's his world. He can destroy it if he wants to. And they're willingly ignorant of the coming judgment of God because they want to live their life however they want. They don't want somebody telling them what to do and what they can't do. They don't like that. So scholars are ignorant of these things, and they say it's going to, this, the Bible says this is going to happen in the last days. This is one of the signs that we are in the last days of the earth is there are a lot of scoffers. How many of you have ever met or talked to or have a friend who is a scoffer? Anybody had a friend or met somebody who's a scoffer? They know what's right, they know what's wrong, but they do what's wrong and they make fun of the Bible. Make, make fun of you. Okay, you've met some of those. Okay. I talk to these all the time. I actually seek them out. I love talking to scoffers. I mean, they're like, it's my favorite thing to do is talk to scoffers. Say, why does all this matter? Because the credibility of the Bible is at stake. What are you thinking? I'd love to continue this, but I've got like a couple minutes left. So we'll talk about it afterwards. The flood. There were scoffers at the flood. It's, yes, that's true. And, they, and it says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the, when the Son of Man comes back. You're exactly right. Can you hold that thought? Is it really important? Willing of the, the creation, the flood, and the coming judgment of God. The future judgment that God is going to judge this world one day with fire. Good question. Good question. In Genesis, the Bible tells us, Genesis chapter 6, the earth was corrupt before God. It was really bad. This is what you were talking about. It's really bad. The earth was filled with violence. God looked upon the earth. Behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. And God said to Noah, Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. The earth is filled with violence uh, through them. Behold, I'm going to destroy them with the earth. He said, Noah, I'm going to destroy everything. And then he said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And Noah said, yes, sir. And he told his boys, his three boys, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, he said, boys, go for wood. Go for wood. They built the ark out of go for wood. Yeah, it's got, it's, yeah, uh, glad. Glad you got that. Glad you got that. Okay. So anyway, we know the story about how Noah built the ark. By the way, it probably took him somewhere around 70 years to build that ark. And it could have taken him less. He could have hired people to help. We have no idea exactly what happened. But we do know that he built this ark. And God said, I'm going to cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and... And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. 
And then the Bible says the waters increased. They bear up the ark. It was lifted up above the earth. The waters prevailed. They were increased greatly upon the earth. The ark went up upon the face of the waters. The waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. All the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the water prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beast and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land, died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and creeping thing and fowl of heaven. They were destroyed from the earth, and Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. Let me ask you, from the couple verses that we read as I went through that, I didn't read all of them because I wanted you to stay awake. Thank you, by the way. As I went through a couple of those verses describing the flood, does that sound like the flood covered the whole world and killed everything except for what was on the ark? Or does it sound like it flooded a little bitty section of the world? Okay, whole world or section of the world? How many are saying that described the whole world being flooded? How many of you said, no, 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 that described a little bitty section of the world being flooded? Okay. Oh, question. Okay. Yeah, what happened to the sea animals? Because it doesn't say that they died. It doesn't say Noah took them on the ark because it was a flood. So most of them, a lot of them survived. But 95% of the fossils that we find in the ground today are of sea animals. Dinosaurs is tomorrow morning. Come back tomorrow morning. We're hitting dinosaurs, okay? Truth about dinosaurs. 95% of the animals that we find in the fossil record are sea animals. So there was so much devastation. Tons of sea animals died. Like I said, 95% of our fossils are of sea animals. Yeah, I think the Bible is describing a global flood. Guess what? Today, there are about 70% of the churches in America today do not believe it was a little global flood. It, it's kind of confusing, isn't it? I mean, the Bible describes a global flood, and they're saying, we don't believe it was a global flood. And I'm like, what? But the, the Bible, it, it said, I mean, should we read it again? It was kind of clear, wasn't it? All the high hills under the whole heaven, 15 cubits upward, all flesh, not some, not an area, everything. It all, they, they all died. It was pretty clear. You know why? You know why about 70% of churches do not believe that there was a global flood? You know why? Here's why. No, it's not that. Here's why. It's interesting. Because according to the evolution worldview, all the layers to the earth today called the geologic column, those developed over millions of years. And if we adopt the idea of millions of years, now the flood can't create those layers. And so we have to get rid of the flood in order to adopt the millions of years. Well, it doesn't mean they're not Christians, because what does it take to be a Christian? 
specifically 1 Corinthians chapter 15, write that verse down, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, to be a Christian, the gospel is right there. You have to believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Very clear. Died, buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 C-O-R, 1 through 4. 1 C-O-R, 1 through 4. The whole thing was flooded. Absolutely. No question about it. Let me show you what happened. What you got? Quick. Yeah, plants can survive. They, they can, I mean, they die, but they have seeds that get buried and, and grow up out of the ground. No problem. It also doesn't say he took insects on board the ark. Did you know insects can survive a flood? No problem. We'll talk about that in a second. Here's what's going on. Here's what's going on. Back in uh, 1795, a guy named James Hutton wrote a book called The Theory of the Earth. This is when they started the idea that maybe the earth is a lot older than people thought that it was. His book basically said, hey, guys, maybe the earth is old. Maybe it's not young. Because before this, they kind of had a biblical worldview. Like, okay, the Bible teaches, and I didn't go through the numbers. I should do that with you. The Bible teaches the earth is about 6,000 years old. So, so he's saying, well, maybe it's a lot older. A couple of years later, somebody loved it because he hated the Bible. He was a Scottish lawyer named Charles Lyell, and he couldn't stand the Bible. And Charles, oh no, that's James Hutton, okay? He wrote Theory of the Earth. Uh, Charles Lyell wrote a book that lambasted the Bible, said we're going we're gonna to get science away from the Bible. And Charles, don't make fun of him. He lived a long time ago, okay? Come on. That's, they didn't have hair gel back then, okay? All right. In, in his book, Principles of Geology, they, he basically made fun of the Bible. Then a guy read that book and write, wrote a book that every single one of you has already heard of, and every single one of you's lives has been affected by that book. You didn't realize that this guy affected your life, but he did. You didn't realize that James Hutton affected your life, but he did. James Hutton said the earth is old. Charles Lyell invented the geologic column, and so those layers aren't from the flood, even though they're called sedimentary layers. And do you know how you make sedimentary layers? With water, exactly. We've got sedimentary layers all over the earth, and they're like, nope, no global flood. Doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, he said, no, those are for millions of years. Each layer took millions of years to form, which doesn't make sense either either, because we would see erosion in between the layers, and we don't see any erosion. It's just nice, neat, flat layers, almost like a flood laid it down, if you didn't know any better. But anyway, he said the geologic column formed over millions of years. Somebody read that book, believed it, and wrote a book that changed the world. Charles Darwin's book comes out in 1859. He read Charles Lyell's book, Principles of Geology, believed it, and wrote on the origin of species and said, I believe maybe we don't need God after all to create the animals. Maybe the animals evolved slowly over millions of years. And that changed everything. And guess what happened, guys? The church didn't stand on the word of God. They compromised in many churches all the way back then. In many churches, they compromised even before Darwin. Once, they, once the idea um, that the earth is millions of years old came out with James Hutton, there were already churches in the early 1800s going, well, maybe we can fit that into the Bible. And they came up with theories like the gap theory and the day age theory and the ruin recreation theory to try to add time to the Bible. But you don't need to do that. You don't need to compromise a perfectly good book that's never been proven wrong with a theory that's never been proven right. We don't need to do that, guys. God's word is true, and we really can't stand on the truth of God's word. Remember, the Bible says we're going to be ignorant of the creation, the flood, 
and the coming judgment of God? These men have made it possible for a lot of people today to be skeptical of the coming judgment of God. Darwin's book, Origin of Species on Evolution. Now, here's the deal. The geologic column, if it is evidence of the global flood, that destroys the idea that it took billions of years to form. By the way, you guys are familiar with this, right? You've seen this in school. You've seen this places, right? All the different layers to the earth. And you got the Precambrium. And where did we get the movie Jurassic Park? Because of the Jurassic layer. That's, that's, you guys are familiar with this? Okay, some of you are. Okay. Well, well, Charles Lyell is the one who invented this. He put them all, he put the different layers together. By the way, did you know the geologic column only exists in two places in the entire world? Not Grand Canyon. I was just there a week and a half ago. You ready? Textbooks and museums. That's the only place that exists in the whole world. This doesn't exist in reality anywhere. What they do is they take these different layers from around the world and they put them all together to create the geologic column, which again, messes up their whole plan, but that's what they're doing, okay? It, it defies evolution and their worldview, but that's what they're doing. So, hey, let me ask you something. If the world really was flooded with water, what would it look like? Like, what kind of erosion does that look like? That looks like water erosion, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, it, if you were looking at that, you would look, okay, it looks like water ran through there. Guess where that's at? Oh, you guys got it. Mars, that is on the planet Mars. Mars right now has no visible water. We don't know that water is there, but no scientist will disagree. Like, oh, yep, any scientist would look at that and go, ha, yeah, that's water erosion. That's on Mars, a planet that has no water that we know of unless it's below the surface. Okay, 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 hold it, hold it. Um, water erosion, right? Guess where this one's at? Yes, it's also on Mars, exactly, okay, also on Mars. What about this? That is planet Earth. That is Grand Canyon. That's it. Did you know that there is a canyon on Mars that is many, many, many times the size of Grand Canyon? If you put the canyon on Mars that nobody would disagree was formed by water on top of the United States, it would go from one side of the United States to the other side of the United States. That's how big this one canyon is. Massive. And yet they don't think there was a flood here on planet Earth? Really? Even though we've got all these layers that look like they were laid down by water, they're sedimentary layers. And yet you don't think there was a flood here on Earth. Worldwide evidence for the wor uh, worldwide flood. What kind of evidence would we see? We should see fossil sea creatures on top of mountains. We should see rapid burial of animals and plants. We should see rapid de uh, uh, deposits of sedimentary layers. We should see sediment transported over a long distance. We should see no erosion in between the layers. Guess what we see when we look around the world today? We see fossils, clams, and sea life on top of the highest mountains. Yeah, that's how part of Mount Everest is made. People, here's uh, uh, tons of fossils of sea animals. People say, oh, well, that's from when Mount Everest was down at sea level, and so there were clams there, and then slowly it built up over millions of years. Problem. The sea creatures that fossilize, now, first of all, sea creatures don't normally fossilize. 
You don't go walk along the beach of Pensacola, Florida and pick up fossil clams. They don't fossilize. In order to get fossilized, you have to get buried really deep. A clam can dig its way out from seven feet down. You have to really want to die and petrify and dig way down to become a fossil. Animals don't do that today. And they're found on top of Mount Everest. So they say, no, they formed when the mountains came up. And so that's why they're up there. Problem, the erosion that would take place as those continents erode, uh, formed, the erosion would have eroded that top layer of sea life uh, where those fossils are at, would have eroded it away. So we shouldn't have any sea life up there anymore. Matter of fact, at the current rate of erosion, all of our continents would erode flat down to sea level in 14 million years. Yeah. We've got fossils that they claim are hundreds of times older than that, still above sea level. But in 14 million years, all the continents would be eroded down to nothing. You can't have it that way. I did a, um, I did a, a, a video. Um, oh, this is uh, some debates. I was doing a debate. Uh, I did several. I've done a lot of debates. They're fun. I got them on a thumb drive. I'll, I'll give you guys a chance. Your church is a chance to get one of those thumb drives uh, later. But uh, this debate I did with a guy at Portland State University. Bernie was his name. And Bernie's son uh, uh, got up and he's like, um, hey, uh, oh, no, this was after the debate. Okay, after the debate, Bernie's son made a video and he said, yeah, there wasn't a worldwide flood because if, like, the water was, you know, higher than the tallest mountains, well, that would be like Mount Everest and, like, uh, you, would, you would need oxygen if you were up that high because it's really high up in the air. It's like, okay. So I went to some mountains and I filmed a little video for you guys to watch about that thought. I got sound on this one. Check this out. Hey guys, Eric Hoven here with Creation Today answering the question, did Noah need oxygen on the ark? thousand feet above sea level looking out over an absolutely beautiful view of the mountains and the valley in between in Jackson let me tell you the question that skeptics and sometimes even thinking Christians ask they say could Noah have needed oxygen on the ark because the Bible says very clearly that the water went 15 cubits above the highest mountain Well, Mount Everest is five and a half miles above sea level. So surely if Noah and his family were on the ark, they would have needed oxygen to survive. Well, this question has two built-in assumptions that I think it's important to point out. Assumption number one is that all the mountains, including Mount Everest, existed when Noah got on the ark. And I just don't believe that's exactly what happened. I believe as Psalms chapter 104 tells us that during the flood, the mountains rose up and the valleys sank down. As plate tectonics were taking place, the thin spots of the earth's crust sank down and other spots as they hit together bulged up to form the mountain ridges that we have today. So I don't believe mountains like Mount Everest existed before the flood. I do though believe that they existed from the time of the flood on. Think about it, today secularists teach us that these mountains formed over millions of years. This though is quite impossible. 
You take some of the tallest mountains in the world, including Mount Everest or the Grand Tetons, guess what you find on the tops of the mountains? Sea life, sea creatures, seashells, clams, mollusks. These things are discovered fossilized in the closed position. If those mountains had formed over millions of years, just the erosion that would have taken place would have eroded any sea life from when it was down at sea level, any of that away, and we shouldn't see it on top of the mountains today. This is excellent evidence that those mountains formed very quickly at the time of the flood. They didn't take millions of years to form. Second basic assumption. You're assuming that when Noah was on the ark and he was above the highest mountain, that the air was really thin up there. But that's a wrong assumption. Noah's ark was floating on water. Wherever Noah was at, however much water there was on the earth, he was always at sea level. He never went five and a half miles up into the atmosphere. He was floating right on the water. So wherever the water went for the global flood, that was the new sea level. So no, Noah did not need oxygen on the ark. The mountains didn't exist before the flood the way they do today. And wherever he went in that ark was sea level. I want to invite you to learn more at creationtoday.org. Thank you, thank you. I got to skip a bunch of stuff because we're out of time, okay? But there was, I missed, I'm skipping like an hour's worth of good, juicy content. I've got to give it up. Sorry. What is this? Grand Canyon. Now, that is Grand Canyon, okay? This last summer, I had the opportunity. I've done many tours down the Grand Canyon. I go around Horseshoe Bend. I was just, I was on that river uh, nine days ago. So I was right there in that raft on that river nine days ago going through the Grand Canyon. This last summer, I had my first opportunity to go 10 days all the way through Grand Canyon. We were down there, and it was incredible. Some of the biggest rapids in the world. 28 guys and we are loving it i'm telling you man it was just it, it was just an insane insane adventure that by the way there's no bathrooms there's no you know toilets there's no 7-elevens there's no walmart i mean it's you and mother nature baby what are you thinking where did we go potty in the river in the river literally yes we went in the river guys i'll tell you it's not that hard uh so I, we we had this awesome time. We stopped at a couple places, though, that I got to tell you about that were incredible. I actually did a show on this. If you go to my website, creationtoday.org, if you go to my website or the, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash creationtoday, you can watch a show that I did with one of the professors that took us on this trip. The music on this is really cool, though. Just let them hear a little bit. Oh, right at the end. Okay, never mind. Yeah, we got helicoptered out, then we had to fly out of there. It was incredible. It was absolutely awesome. Kind of dangerous. Uh, while we were there, we saw two boats, two of the rafts going down. And they were totally empty, just the raft drivers. Once we got out, we learned that a flash flood happened about uh, on a group that was about two days behind us and washed a lady out into the Colorado River, and she died. And they, uh, they lost her. So it is it's, it is a dangerous trip. I mean, there's people die there every single year. But um, anyway, just remind you of the the... the the frailty of life. But anyway, I did a show with um, Andrew Schnelling called That's Impossible Rocks Don't Bend because we stopped at a couple places in the Grand Canyon. There's four different places 
where all one mile of sediment, you're rafting down the river, and as you're going downhill, the rocks are getting taller and taller above you. You get down towards the middle of the canyon, and you got about one mile straight up of rock next to you, a mile high. You're a mile deep in this gorge. And we stopped at this place called Monument Fold. There's four of these locations in the Grand Canyon. You see, oh, I can't use my pointer. You see, oh, I can do this. The, um, the rocks back here behind us, you see how they're bent like this? They're bent at a 90 degree angle. And that's not just for this layer down here. That's for all one mile of dirt. How do you take a mile of rock and bend it at 90 degrees and then go straight again? You can't. First of all, that much heat pressure would cause so much heat, it would metamorphize the rock. It would change the, the crystal structure of the rock. Second problem you got is that this proves that those layers, oh, second problem you got is if you bend rock, what happens? It breaks. These are not broken. There's no cracks in the rocks. They're nice, neat folds, which means those layers had to bend while it was still mud before it ever turned into rock. And it's all one mile of layers. Now, they, the, according to the evolutionists, the evolutionists would say those layers took about 550 million years to form. In 550 million years, the bottom would be solid rock by the time you're forming that top layer. So if you bent it, you'd have maybe some bent, but then the rest cracked. From the bottom to the top, we see nice, neat bends, no cracks. No erosion marks in between the layers. I made a video. I got a video for you on this spot. It was kind of cool. Blessed beyond measure. Check this out. I'm here at Monument Fold. This is where Dr. Schnelling and other geologists, uh, Dr. John, have been doing their research. Uh, and the research is coming back to show these. all of these layers are folded just in the same spot here. And uh, from the tapetes up above it, the Bright Angel, uh, the Muav, they're all folded. And he is demonstrating that that fold took place while they were all soft sediment, which means there was no millions of years involved in laying down these rocks. And this is right here. This is a death blow to the evolution worldview and to the old earth worldview. It's incredible. I just feel I, I, it's, it's epic. It's monumental to be at a place like this. Unbelievable. We're sitting there seeing the evidence that God's word is absolutely true, guys. Was there a worldwide flood? Absolutely. Hey, you can trust God's word about the past, and you can trust God's word about the future. God says every idle word you speak, you will give an account of on the day of judgment. Hey, kids, judgment day is coming soon to a city near you. You might as well get ready for it. You're going to be judged by God. Tomorrow, I want to talk about God. I'm just concerned that many of us don't have a very big view of God, and I think we need a little bit bigger view of who God is. But tonight, in your so what time, I want you to analyze these questions, and I think Byron has some questions for you as well, but analyze these thoughts. If it's true, if his word is true, and it's true, then what do I need to be doing about that? Hey, if it's true, how should this affect your life? I mean, when it says, Ephesians 6:1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Do you take that seriously? Do you take that as truth? Or are you falling for what Satan did to Eve in the Garden of Eden? Oh, did God really say? Oh, does that really matter? Don't worry, that's not really going to happen. When God says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right, are you doing it? Hey, when the Bible says, love one another as I have loved you, are you doing it? Are you speaking to one another in love? Or are you trying to tear others down because the world says the way to get up is to tear others down? Hey, are you following what this word says? It's true. Are you building your life upon the word? Great song. Are you building your life upon the word? Hey, and you're so what time tonight? Seriously, would you guys consider asking the question, where am I not building my life on God's word? And where do I need to be building my life on God's word? Maybe it's your relationships. Ladies, maybe it's, you know what? I, I, I have tried to find value in some guy liking me or some guy saying things to me that I think is sweet, but really he's not respecting me. Guys, maybe it's, you know what? I haven't been trying to become the leader that God has called me to be, and I need to step it up, and I need to be the leader that God has called me to be. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe some of you, you need to apologize, honestly. You owe your parents an apology what they've done, how much they've sacrificed, the amount that they put into your life, and you could care less? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding? Hey, where are you not building your life on God's word? It's true. It's right about the flood. It's right about the creation. And it's right about the coming judgment of God. Don't be the scoffer. Don't be the scoffer. Because Solomon said, guess what the cure is for the scoffer? Nothing. There's no cure. There's no cure for the scoffer. Scoffers are ignorant of the creation, the flood, and the coming judgment of God. Don't be the scoffer. Build your life on the truth of God's word. Now, where are you not doing that, and where do you need to be doing that? Hope you guys have a great so what time. I'm going to pray. Byron's going to make some announcements. God, your word is true from beginning to end. <laughs> it's, it's clear that you describe a flood that destroyed the whole world because you take sin very seriously. And God, you've been so patient with us. We take your patience and we think that we can be flippant with our lives because of your patience. God, help us to see the judgment that's coming and to realize don't be flippant. Take it seriously. Live our life, build our life on your word on your truth. Thank you for loving us. May these truths, may this information, may this science and scripture sink deep into our soul. And may we use it to transform our lives, to live it for your glory and for yours alone. In your precious and holy name we pray. The name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.